0: Reading from the Gospel according to Matthew, the 25th chapter, beginning with verse 1. Jesus said, Then the kingdom of heaven will be like this Ten bridesmaids took their lamps and went to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish, and five were wise. When the foolish took their lamps, they took no oil with them, but the wise took flasks of oil with their lamps. As the bridegroom was delayed, all of them became drowsy and slept. But at midnight there was a shout, look, here is the bridegroom, come out to meet him. Then all those bridesmaids got up and trimmed their lamps the foolish said to the wise give us some of your oil for our lamps are going out but the wise replied no there will not be enough for you and for us you had better go to the dealers and buy some for yourselves and while they went out to buy it the bridegroom came and those who were already who were ready went with him into the wedding banquet and the door was shut later the other bridesmaids came also, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he replied, Truly, I tell you, I do not know you. Keep awake, therefore, for you know neither the hour nor the day. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. As you have already heard this passage, here you will hear it again several times. Choose this day whom you will serve. But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. This often implaced passage from Joshua, serves as a rather fitting lectionary lesson for the end, we hope, of this, our election season. Yes, I too have a copy. It has not yet made its way into my, onto the walls in my apartment, and I guess I'm preaching to myself today that I better get it up there. I hope it doesn't fall over. A record number of us and our fellow citizens mailed or walked our leadership preferences to the polling sites over the last little while. One of the really important choices we make in our land. Choosing who will govern us is far from our only opportunity to say, this one. Having options defines what it means to be human, to be free, more or less. We may not have limitless alternatives in all areas, but we have plenty of them. Choosing a Lamborghini three years ago did not find its way onto my wish mix. But settling on my Ford Fiesta did. And we all the aficionados believe that fewer choices are just fine with us. So Mr. Joshua's challenge may seem like a rather mundane gauntlet to toss at our feet. It is not, especially given the social climate these days. But before we deal with that, let's remember the biblical context. The people of Israel had just completed the conquest of Canaan, an accomplishment not without ethical issues, which we will need to let lie for today. Israel was ready, they were so ready to, be- to breathe a national sigh of relief and to settle into a new sense of normalcy. The Bible has nothing whatsoever to do with our situation in life, does it? <laughs> Joshua had carried on where Moses left off and was now re- ready to enter his own eternal reward. Kind of an odd valedictory word he shares. After all the trials and challenges of the last several decades, Joshua would not have been faulted for patting himself on the back a bit. But no, he preaches a serious sermon reminiscent of President Eisenhower's worried words on his departure from the Oval Office. I'm translating these words in my own way right now. The promised land of milk and honey finally belongs to you, Israel. But beware, the necessity of choosing rightly never leaves us. In fact, the challenge becomes more important and daunting as life gets better and better, kind of counterintuitive in some ways, but I think true. No time to let down one's guard, Joshua says. Exactly the opposite, in fact. I could go on at some length about the comparisons between Canaan and our homeland, about the various gods that clamor for our devotion, about the dangers of resting on our laurels, about letting others make the life and moral choices that we should make for ourselves. As usual, we have a lot to accomplish in the context of a Sunday morning and early afternoon. So, brevity befits the occasion. Here at the end of his days, I suspect elderly Joshua, like General Ike, felt no need to gussy up his presentation. Get the choice on the table and be done with it. Choose this day whom you will serve. Put some stuff in the middle there, and then ends like this. But as for me and my household, We will serve the Lord. I can imagine Joshua's congregation filing out of the tabernacle, shaking Pastor Josh's hand, exclaiming, Good sermon! And in fact, the Bible does record this part Of course, we will serve the Lord. And our backward glance shows us how little stamina they had in their effort. The Egyptian captivity, the escape, the wilderness, the bitter internal wrangling, the 40-year forced extension of camping in the desert, the conquest, the milk, the honey, the grapes the size of grapefruit. Hey, we've earned a little luxury. Down went their guard, up rose the temptation. The pretty good life without divine interference seemed like a fine alternative to the regular measuring of their choices against the holy standards set for them. The hastily spoken post-sermon promise to serve the Lord faded from individual and institutional memory. Flip just a few pages ahead in the Bible, and you will read, the people did what was evil in the sight of the Lord. The results of that choice, unlike election polls, are predictable. Joshua calls out unhappily from his rest among the ancestors. I told you so. I told you so. Choosing seems so simple. It's not, is it? A couple of decades ago, I spent the better part of the 90s in Greece, New York, writing a 358-page document about the political, economic, and social choices people made in this country in the late 1960s, 70s. It's a dissertation. It's not exciting reading. But I wrote it. And my contention is that the decision that were made then, the choices that were made then, continue to impact us today. Drew University wisely rewarded me with a PhD degree, and I went on with my real life. This dissertation mostly attracted dust on the shelf or hid in boxes along life's way. Until just recently, several people asked me to read it as we talked about religion and politics. I was surprised. I couldn't get any of them to buy it, however. Cutting to the crux of the matter, if we keep following this path in the way we form and make our political choices, we will devolve into an unhappy mess. Today, sadly, I say, I told you so. It's as much my fault as anyone's. The promised land of family life with my lovely wife and delightful kitties doing the good work of serving in various branches of the Church of Jesus Christ dulled my ethical sensibilities. Oh, I never didn't choose to serve the Lord. But my worries and fears about the cost of being more vigorous in my efforts to do so kept me hemmed in. Thus, 20-plus more years have passed where I have mostly chosen to serve the Lord. But I have also had a little side gig of worshiping stability. Of not rocking the boat. Of saying, yes, when I should have said no. And vice versa. Of thinking that good people will come around to make the right choices in the end. That our national institutions would be up to the challenge of meeting The situation's at hand, yada, yada, yada. The results? A situation where income inequality has increased exponentially, where social and racial disparities always present have erupted afresh, where we enjoy an unprecedented string of 70-degree November days in Rochester, New York, while knowing, knowing the impact climate change has on the world that I am leaving to my grandbuddy. Where the titular re- leader of the free world can rant and rave and fume about a political system that is simply carrying out its function in a way that it's supposed to. And we all moan and groan about how awful the whole scenario is. And I am forced to ask myself, who, who have I chosen to serve? I will tell you that I wrote this sermon early in the week. When my spirit was darker than I would say to you, it is today. And I thought about changing the word that I would speak. And I said, no, it's just as true today as it was earlier in this week when my spirit wasn't quite so light. We got to that place because we stopped asking the right questions about who we will serve. And so we are now at the end of this week. The election season is not yet over, although we certainly are hoping that it soon will be, correct? And it's been kind of a downer sermon, but that wasn't the intention. At the end of this sermon, and a week filled with fear and anxiety, where the sun is shining brightly, and even though it's warmer than it ought to be, we're going to enjoy this day. And I have come to realize that I am so preaching to myself. I need some words of hope today. And if I believe that where we are going is better than where we have been, I need to make sure that we don't go back there again. I need to do that. I need some words of encouragement today. And the lectionary and Pastor Joshua provides them. Choose this day whom you will serve, and then he gives us the example. As for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. I need to get that plaque up on my wall, and I need to read it, and I need to do it. I long ago gave up the notion that I can change the world, but I am able to make a difference in it. My lungs still take in oxygen, and blood courses through my veins, which means it's not too late. I have time to refocus seriously on Joshua's parting words, to make a difference in the years ahead, to make sure that hope continues to grow in our life together. I can choose today To serve the Lord. And so can you. Thanks be to God. Amen.